theyeshiva.net. And last year, we began the Maimir of the Balatanya, Vayachberu Avde Yitzchak Banochal, in Parshas Taldus. The servants of Yitzchak dug and excavated many a well. That's Torah Er, Parshas Taldus, Dav Chof, Chof, column one, or page 39. In the beginning of the Maimir, we learned about the concept of uh, the story in Bereshus. A river flows from Eden, irrigating the garden, the garden where Adam and Chava were placed to work and toil and preserve the garden. And from there it splits into four individual rivers known as the Pishain and the Gichain and the Chidekel and the Pras, as explained in the previous year. The Balatanya discussed and brought, quoted the Gemara in Masech Tebchaydes Dafrun Hay, that the fourth river, Vanar Haravi, who Pras, it says who Pras, the fourth river, he is Pras, it is Pras, meaning that the original river that flowed from Aden into the garden is the Nahar Pras, and then three of them split away. And the pras continues that original river. That's what the Gemara tells us in Masech Tabchayrus. And that's why the Gemara says that all the rivers are below pras and all the wellsprings in the world come from pras. Asks the Alter Rebbe, why is it then called Be'er Mayim Chayim? A, a wellspring of living water, if it's also coming ultimately, according to this Gemara, it's coming from the higher process, coming from the river. So essentially, its origin is a river, is Nahar. Thank you. So he began to explain the concept from a spiritual perspective. That Gan, Gim, Gan 53, Nun Gimel, represents the 53 parshias of Torah. And there's a nahar, there's a river that flows from Aden to irrigate the 53 portions of Torah, which encapture Torah Shabbat Sav is, of course, the main body of Torah that includes all of its commentary and all of the derivatives, which means the subsequent svarim of Nevi'im and Ksuvim, the whole Tanakh, and the oral tradition, the Torah Shabbat Peh, that comes down and is revealed throughout the generations until this very day. What is the river that flows from Aden to irrigate the Gan? So the Balatanya explains that Chazal tells us that the first thing we do in the day is we're Mekabal El Malcho Shemayim. Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad Kriya Which means that a person truly internalizes the idea of Achdos Hashem, the truth of the oneness, the harmony of the universe. That everything is part of oneness. Where is this oneness? Where can one experience this oneness? Where is it manifested most? In the substitute for Kaidash HaKadoshim, which is Dalan Amashal Halacha, which is Torah. And therefore, right away in Kriya Shema, we say, And the next words are, Which is the mitzvah to learn Torah. Because Torah is the natural flow that comes from Achtos Hashem, because in learning Torah and in internalizing Torah, one can remain completely connected to the consciousness of Achtos of Oneness.
So this is the Vinohar, Yoitsime Eden Lahashkasagan, as he explained, Hakshem himself, the infinite, is called Aden. The river is that which flows from infinite oneness, it flows. So when a person is Makabal El Malchushamayim, when a person internalizes Achtos Hashem, they allow Aden to flow into their consciousness and to flow into the Torah that they learn. So that they should be able to see in the Torah what it really is, a manifestation of Achtos Hashem. I could learn Torah, but not really get the core of Torah, the Pnimiyas HaTorah, the divinity of Torah. But when a person gets in touch with Eden through Kriyashma, so then Devinar, there's a flow from Eden, from this Achtos, from this unity, to irrigate the Gan, to irrigate the Gan, that it shouldn't, it shouldn't just be seen superficially for what it is externally, but it should get the water, its nutrients, and all the nutrients that exist in the water. And that's basically the Torah where one can experience Achtos Hashem, but for that you need a nahar that comes from Aden to irrigate, to irrigate the Gan. A person could learn Torah, but it's more dry. Maybe it's intellectually stimulating, but it doesn't have, in a revealed way, in a conscious way, in a way that impacts the person, the full, infinite uh, depth and, and oneness of the divinity. That's why we need even Nahar to be Mashka the Gan, to be able to see in Torah what Torah really is. Now the Alter Rebbe continues. One, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six lines from the bottom. Chof, column one. Six lines from the bottom. Aval Acha, Kach Tzadich Lasek, Bechol Machshafta, Binyone, Olam Hashafel. But afterwards... A person goes out to the world for work. There's a famous expression in Gemara, and it's brought in Halacha. Mi beis and then hanig behen minig There is the Halacha after davening, which represents the nahar that comes from Eden. It's tuning in, meditating on the consciousness of oneness. After that is beis like the Alter Rebbe says. Now your gan is irrigated, but now. It's time to go to the next step. Hanig ben minig He says, then he goes out to a world. Every person in their own way. Then he needs to immerse himself with his entire thought process in the themes and the concepts and the realities of our lowly world. And what so often happens is a person forgets the clarity of the awareness that the person had when they accepted Malchus Shemayim during Kriya Shemayim because of the, the, the density of the materialism of the world and of a person's body and the miyut das, the lack of clear perceptiveness so a person can easily become excessively distant from the state of awareness and the das that the person had during the davening and during the avoda in learning. So yes, we're talking here, even a person who tunes in in the morning, every morning, during Kriya Shman to that truth of Achtos Hashem, and every person is capable of tuning it, tuning into it to some degree, even just for a few minutes, to be able to really let go of everything and tune in to the truth that you are an ambassador of infinity in this world, that you are really an aspect of divinity, that Hashem is not a existence, but Hashem is existence, and we are all 
an extension. We are all part and parcel of that reality. That nothing can get in between you and God, because Kula everything in His presence doesn't occupy a separate reality or a separate significance. There is always, always oneness. But then I get distracted. I get stressed. And all stress and all anxiety and depression and laziness and fear and insecurity <laughs> and all toxic emotions that some of us or most of us or many of us deal with, excuse me, all a re- representation of this emotional distance from this place of absolute infinite empowerment. And then there's, of course, the stress of work and there's the various temptations that a person has. Al Rebbe says, I may have been in a very... Uh, harmonious place, but then I become distant. And I have no choice because I have to occupy my mind in new realities and they can often get the better of me. So he says, during the davening in the Torah, there was das, there was a perceptiveness of truth, at least to a certain degree. But then the person can get very distant from this, from the das, the das in the tefillah and the avoid in Torah. It's interesting that he says, and perhaps he is intimating to the fact that he spoke before, not just about learning as an intellectual exercise, which is also a great mitzvah, but that the learning is with an avoide. In other words, the learning after davening is a different type of learning because it's a learning which is a continuation of Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekein Hashem It's a learning in which I'm experiencing and internalizing in my mind and in my consciousness the oneness of Hashem. So there's an avoide in this Torah. That's why Yiddishkeit has a whole other dimension, which we call mitzvahs. We were given, Hashem has given us mitzvahs to engage with throughout the day. Throughout the day, one can still connect through mitzvahs. The mitzvahs, all of the mitzvahs, which mostly entail physical actions, whatever the mitzvah is, whether it's giving tzedakah, writing a check for charity, or giving tzedakah to a person in need. Whether it's eating and birchas hamazan, saying, making a bracha before I eat, after I eat, whatever the mitzvah may be, all the 630 mitzvahs of the Torah. The mitzvahs, most of them are maiseus, they're practical, they're action-oriented. He says, but essentially in their core and their source, they're hagbila maila maila. They originate in a very, very lofty divine space. But Hashem has enclosed His will in many garments and it evolved throughout the worlds until it assumes a very practical and technical physical incarnation. Here it's putting on a mezuzah on the door and here it's shaking a lulav and here it's giving tzedakah and here it's taking your grain or your fruit and tithing it and giving it to meiser. And here it's wrapping straps around the arm and here it's lighting a candle and here it's separating challah. So the mitzvahs assumed a very practical and physical incarnation because the, 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 the pnimius, the core and the root of all the mitzvahs is very, very deep, he says. It's very divine. But it goes through the will of Hashem. If it was unfiltered, we had no, no relationship to it. It's pure infinity. So the will goes through an evolution and he says, and it gets dressed up in Kamala Vushim in different garments. But it's not like it becomes detached. It still alludes to every mitzvah in its practical actions is still roimez. It intimates and it alludes to the lofty level in its own source. Take, for example, the mitzvah of tzitzis. Mitzvah of tzitzis. 
is a very physical, practical, and technical mitzvah. If I have a garment that has four corners, I need to attach to it fringes, which we call tzitzis. Now what do we see? I'm wearing tzitzis. I'm wearing an arba kamfis, right? I have tzitzis, okay. So the fringes hang from the four corners, eight strings on each one, four that are doubled. Originally, you have to put an upsil of tcheles, turquoise, turquoise, the turquoise thread. But he says, Tzitzis doesn't begin as a physical mitzvah of putting on fringes at the corner of your garment. Tzitzis begins as a, a, a spiritual divine energy. There's a spiritual divine energy there. In the higher worlds. And this reality of the divine is enclosed, it's manifested, it's cloaked in the practical mitzvah where I have on each corner eight threads, eight threads, and five knots. Preceding the eight threads, right? You put in the threads into the hole at the end of the garment, and then you have what's called five ksharim, five knots, and then shmeinachut. That's why the mitzvahs, they don't need, they don't require the avoida of a person to fix them and to direct them to their truth. Mitzvahs don't need kavana. They themselves are repaired. They themselves are wholesome. They are an evolution. They are a manifestation, an incarnation of the very lofty, deep, divine oneness, oneness with the divine, the way it comes down in a very physical way. Of course, there's a little bit, uh, the Alter Rebbe is paraphrasing here, there's a machlekes in Gemara, if mitzvah is kavana, mitzvah is kavana. Literally, the question is, when I do a mitzvah, am I required to have kavana, to have intention, that I want to do this mitzvah? Or even if not, if I do the mitzvah without, sometimes you just do it. Excuse me. <laughs> Sometimes you just do a mitzvah without any kavana. I hear shayfer. I didn't have kavana that I want to. I want to do the mitzvah. I say kriyat shema in the morning. I didn't have kavana. I said kriyat shema. Do you fulfill the mitzvah or not fulfill it? It's an argument in Gemara. Mitzvahs masechta brachas. Mitzvahs kavana. And the halachic authorities themselves argue about this. Some say that there I see you need mitzvahs. There I see you need mitzvahs. Rabbanon, you don't. There's a debate about it. <coughs> Many say no, mitzvahs don't need kavana. So Alter Rebbe uses this terminology, mitzvahs ain't shrikhis kavana. He's not discussing here the debate in halacha. He's discussing here the concept. Mitzvahs don't need kavana. He's using that shit to explain a spiritual truth. You don't need to help the mitzvah. You don't need to fix the mitzvah. You, you, the mitzvah can help you. It's not like the mitzvah is, a, is nebach, a dry act, devoid of any significance, but my enthusiasm and my electricity and my passion will give it a psatikun. <laughs> we'll make it meaningful. We'll turn it into something spiritually exciting. He says, no, mitzvah zeh is kavana. You need the kavana. <laughs> Even if you hold mitzvah zeh is kavana. The pshat is, the mitzvah doesn't need kavana. Mitzvah says, you need the kavana. You tune into the mitzvah. The mitzvah doesn't have to tune into you. It's not like you're gonna, I'm gonna help the mitzvah become more exciting because I'm gonna have kavana. I'm gonna be at masak and I'll find something interesting in it. It's a depth, a significance. The mitzvah itself doesn't need kavana. The mitzvah itself is elikus. It's divine. You can tune into that. You cannot tune into it. I could remain unmoved by it, at least on a conscious level, because every, every Jew is moved by a mitzvah. But on a conscious level, I could remain unmoved by it. Or I can tune into it. 
this is discussed by Rich at length in Tanya Perik Dalad, the mitzvah itself is deeper than the kavanah of the mitzvah. The kavanah of the mitzvah allows the person to be able to attach themselves to the infinity of the mitzvah. And when somebody does a mitzvah, the lakus, the godliness that flows, that is generated through the mitzvah, is not because of my avoda, my input. It's because the mitzvah itself, my input, my kavana, my avoda, my love, my passion, my gusto, my enthusiasm, allows me to be moved by the mitzvah. But the mitzvah itself is a lakus. This is unlike Torah and Tefillah, which Chazal call Avedas Halev. The Gemara says in the beginning of Masech Tainus, You should serve Hashem with your entire heart. What does it mean to serve Him with your heart? What do you do with your heart? Zuhi Tefillah. This is Avedas Halev. It's about the person. The expression is, Avedas Halev is in hearts or mitte hearts. Belev means be. When you have a prefix of a base, it's in and with. Avayda Shabalev is tefillah in the heart and it's with the heart. That's what tefillah is. Also, Torah, what is Torah? Torah is about, especially Torah Shabal Peh. The halach is that if I don't understand, I did not fulfill the mitzvah of Torah, discussed in Mogan Avram, Simen Nun, and Erechai. And the Balatanya is Hilchas Talmud Torah, Barichas. Torah Shabal Peh, you have to understand. Torah Shabik Sav, even somebody who doesn't understand, could come and get an aliyah and make a brach on Torah, even though they don't understand a word of Chumash. Because Torah Shabbat the understanding is, 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 of course, adds to it. But Torah Shabbat the understanding is primary. That's why he says, Torah and Tefillah, Tluya Davka Bekavonah, it's all about the Kavanah of the person. The Rambam has an expression in Hilchis Tefillah, I think it's Perik Dalad, that Tefillah below Kavanah, when a person Davka, ain't a Tefillah, it's not Tefillah. It's not called Tefillah. The definition of Tefillah is, the human being puts himself or herself in a certain state of consciousness. The famous, the famous explanation of Reb Chaim Alevi, Chidush Rabbein Chaim Alevi, Reb Chaim Brisker. It's, I think, the second shtikl Reb Chaim Arambam. The first one is Yisaidi Atayda Peireke, the second one is Ilchus Tzvila Peireke Dalad. He asks there a contradiction in Rambam. It's a very gishmak of words, a contradiction in Rambam. Ilchus Tzvila Peireke Dalad. The Rambam says that without Kavana, there's no Tzvila. Later in Peireke Yud, he says, you have to have Kavana, the first bracha. Magin Avram, Birchus Avis. And if you didn't have kavana there, you have to repeat it. But the other brachas, it's better to have kavana. But if you didn't, you could just uh, move on. So ask Shabbat Chaim, there's a contradiction here. First, he says in Beridal, without kavana, it's bechal not fill a lady. He says, only the first bracha you need kavana. Li kuva b'dieven. Shabbat says, trey, this is his words, treich gavne kavana ikibit fila. There's two types of kavana in fila. In Pedic Yud, the Ramah Mistamat Pirish Amilis, Pashat, understanding the words. The meaning of the word. So he says that you need for the first blessing. And if you didn't do it, you have to repeat it. The other brachas, even if you, you're just reading them without tuning into the meaning of the words, but they have it, In Peri Dal, the Ram is not talking about the kavana of the words. He's talking about the kavana klolis, that the person, that is a certain consciousness that I'm now talking to the Rabbi Nishalayla. I'm in a relationship with Hashem. I'm in a relationship with the core of reality, with my essence, with my soul, with the soul of the Bria, Nishmas, Nishmas kol That kavana is not a detail in tefillah. That is tefillah. That is the mitzvah of tefillah. It's not a detail in tefillah. That is, that is, that is what tefillah is. If I say, if I say a brachish menas, I don't understand the words, or I'm not thinking about the meaning of the words. Okay, so the question is, you are yoytze, you're not yoytze. How important is that condition? 
But here it's not a question of a detail, of a t'nai in tefillah. This is the, what the hefts of tefillah. The hefts of tefillah is that I'm in a relationship. So that's what the Alter Rebbe says. Torah and tefillah, it's all about the state of the person. A mitzvah is not. A mitzvah, the mitzvah itself is divine. Of course, if I have kavanah, I get to tune in to that reality. But the lakus is coming from the mitzvah itself. Mitzvah ain't sviches kavanah. You're not going to say that about tefillah. And the main kavon that a person does require when he does a mitzvah, what should the person tune into? The person should first appreciate the 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 person has to realize, first of all, become aware of the distance. Become aware how easy it is to become distant. Because we are stressed. The word is tirda, we're stressed and overwhelmed all day in various things that ultimately they represent vanity. It may be all of the objects of this world and excessive materialism and mistakes that people make or even sins and transgressions and immoral acts and they all become curtains, veils that separate us and don't allow us to be close to our true essence, don't allow us to be close to infinity even a little bit. A person should realize this, should realize that this is the reality of life, this is the reality of the world and he says, and think about it and think about it well and break it down. And he says, and that humbles a person's heart because this is not what we want. A person wants to be close to truth. A person wants to be close to Hashem. Now, when I have an opportunity, any time in the middle of the day to do a mitzvah, whatever the mitzvah is, I have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, this is what the person should think. That this mitzvah is like a living wellspring. Which flows beneath the surface of the earth. Beneath the terrain of the earth. And as we learned before in the beginning of the Maimer from the Gemara and Brachas, hey, based on Parshas Bereshis, it flows from the one river ultimately, from that one river of Anar HaRavihu Nahar Pras. Here we come to the paradox. The river itself that flows above the earth is not called in Halacha Mayim Chayim, living water. It's not called living water. Aval, for example, you have... Unless you know it's a spring. It's a spring. But a lot of river water, for example, rainwater. Rainwater is kosher for a mikveh. It's a wonderful mikveh. It's not mayim shuvan. So if I have a cistern and rainwater fills the cistern, it's a kosher mikveh, but it's not called mayim chayim. It's not called living water. And there's certain halachas. Regularly when we use a mikveh, a man or a woman, yegarilim was a mikveh, you use a mikveh of rainwater. Or the way we do it today is, you have two boiris, you have two pits. One is filled with rainwater, and then the other one connects to the rainwater. There's different methods, hasaka, shakazriya. So that we, we make our mikvahs usable. But it's not mayim chayim. Living water has to be a spring that flows beneath the earth. Of course, it comes to the surface, or we excavate it and we go into it. For example, you have uh, people go off into Tzvastadarizal's mikvah, right? That's a living, that's a living spring. 
we were we went with a group to measure Bush, Ukraine. You remember there's the well over there, they call it the Balshemtov's well. It flows over there. You see it flowing under the earth. And Rabbi Gabai turned it into a mikveh. He 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 now diverts part of the water into a mikveh, the coldest mikveh I ever went into. Those of you who came with us then, you remember the mikveh by the Balshemtov over there. So it's, it's recently new. Just a few years old. That's a living wellspring. I was once in Tenafly for Shabbos. I went for a Shabbaton to Chabad of Tenafly, Rabbi Shane. Built a beautiful community. So on the Shabbos morning, I asked him if I could use the mikveh. So I went into the mikveh. And it was uh, sparkling clean. And there was something very refreshing about the water. So I asked him, I said, something unique about this mikveh. He says they were digging. They were digging in order to build a mikveh. He wanted to build a mikveh there for the community. A woman's mikveh. He says, as they're digging... They bumped into a well. There was there was a spring. There was a spring that was flowing. So that was the mikveh. They didn't have to wait for rainwater to fill it up and then connect another mikveh to this mikveh. No, it's actually you're going into spring water. And he found a method to warm it up because it's it's essentially very cold. So it may begin in a nahar, but it becomes bare mayim chayim. What's the why? So he says to the santezach, we see. We all know that there's often you drink spring water and it's much cleaner and much more clear and much more and much richer and much more delightful than even purified water that we buy in the store, bottled water, or if you have a filter in the house and you filter the water. Paradoxically, this water is coming from, from, from the earth. It should be full of dirt. And indeed, sometimes there's spring water that you have to be careful with because it can cause different side effects because it can have garbage in it. But very often, you take spring water that flows, that flows through the rocks. And it's the cleanest, purest water you will encounter anywhere on the planet. And it's also rich. It's rich. In nutrients, it's, it's, it's good and it's refreshing and it's invigorating. Never mind if it's a hot summer day, it's nice and cold. So today, in science, if you study geology, there's, there's a lot of this, a lot of research has been done on this. What exactly are, are the components of this water? But Alter Rebbe says it here in the Maimer. So he says like this. The river on top of the water is not called Mayim Chayim. So how can the well that comes from the Nahar be called Mayim Chayim? How can the child have more than the, 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 than the progenitor of the child? The water that flows from the river, it perforates, and it travels through the thickness of the Afar HaKarka, of the soil and the earth and the rock, below the surface of the earth. Nikr Mayim Chayim. That water is called Mayim Chayim. Living water. It's literally called living water because it's like alive. It's not just the rainwater fell and now it's gathered in one place, so we call that lifeless water. Mayim Chayim means it continues to flow, like a Mayan Hamizgaber. The fountain continues to flow with strength and with vibrancy, so that's why it's called alive. In other words, there's movement, there's motion there. So he says, but it's not just that, that it's moving. There's something unique. So he says, because it has to push its way through the dense, physical, and material soil and earth, it gets purified. The Rebbe says that earth, natural 
Earth has a unique filtering system, a very, very powerful filtering system, much more powerful than our filtering system. That water, which flows through the rocks, the crevices and the holes of the rock, and makes its way through them, and it's it's pushing, he says, it's misbarer. It becomes purified, mislabin. It becomes literally whitened. In other words, it becomes clean. Through the stress, through the pushing, lotzes to come out, to emerge from the very dense physical earth. That's the very concept of engaging in the mitzvahs. The Alter said, what should be the kavana during the mitzvahs? Then after Torah and Tefillah in the morning, which was at Abayi the person can easily become stressed out by the realities of the world and can fall into temptation or fall into sin or fall into transgression or fall into depression or fall into failure or, or tension or anxiety. So now the person should realize that the mitzvah that I have an opportunity to do is be'er ma'yib It's a living wellspring which comes from under the earth. What's the comparison? Now you'll see how the whole picture comes together. In the morning, we have the river. Later in the day, when you're removed from the world of Tfila and Taira, now you get the living wellspring under the earth. In the morning, a person wakes up. The way a person is supposed to wake up, you wake up fresh, and you get up and you makabal el malchushamayim. You say, Maida'ani, you wash negalvasa, mishtaltzachi, you say, brachas, you daven, you say, krishma, tfila, and then you go and you learn. That's Venar. Now you're in the river. Which river? The original river. Venar, yoytzem, eyedin, lahashkesasaga. The river that comes out from Aden to Ein Saif. In other words, there's a flow of consciousness that comes from Ein Saif. That's what Krishna is. Shlema, as he says. We learned in the beginning of the Mayim in the previous year. You get in touch with Aden. There's a flow from Aden into your mind, into your soul, into your psyche. I'm using the words of the Mayim. Then you go learn. So the Nahar now continues to be Mashka the Gan. What's the Gan? The 53... The Svarim of Torah, the 53 Parshis of Torah. If you remember also, we learned, maybe it was last, I think it was last year, two years ago, we learned the Maimir and Parshas told us, Mayim Rabim Layuchlu Lechabas Asa'ava, the Maimir before this, Mayim Rabim Layuchlu Lechabas Asa'ava, and the Balatanya says over there about Rivka, right, that she went down, Vatered Ha'ayna, she went down to the Mayan, Vatamale Kada, and she lifted up the Kad, Vatal, and she came up. So he says, Kada, is Chav Dalit Svarim of Torah, because they originate in the Mayan, and then she brings it up. But here we're saying, Now you're in the river. The river which comes from the Aden and goes into the Gan, because you went from Tefillah to Torah. Now what happens? Now you go under the earth. Now you leave the world, you leave the oasis of Torah and Tefillah, and where do you end up? You end up under the earth. In the middle of the day, you're like, Oyri, Boyna I'm tempted, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, I feel dense, I feel disconnected, I feel detached, I feel worried, I feel anxious. In other words, I feel buried under the earth. Yeah. There's one telephone, I call another telephone call, one email, another email. This is my me, you don't have about emails and telephone calls. There was no telephone then and there was no email then. They had other problems, don't worry. There was no WhatsApp then. And you feel like you're under the offer, you know, you feel like this. Like, <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Pile it up, you know? A little more stress, a little more anxiety. 
you go under the offer. So Alter Rebbe says, you know what happens under the offer? You discover the Be'er Mayim Chai. In the morning, you're by the Nor. Then you go in the offer, there's the Be'er Mayim Chai. The Be'er Mayim Chai you only have under the earth. A living wellspring comes from under the earth. It's not the ocean. It's not the river. It's not the pond. It's not the rainwater. Unless, of course, it's a wellspring that came up, but it's from under the earth. That's what it is. The Zakhtar. In the beginning, you had a Nor and What's better? And I just want to say, like all these, my mother, you have to apply it to your life. Dr. Rebbe is talking a model. In the morning, you have the Nor. Later in the day, you have the Be'er Ma'im Chaim. But the concept applies to the morning, to the afternoon, to the evening. There's a state of consciousness where you're above the earth. You're in the place of the Nor that came from Aden. And then there's the time in life that I'm under the offer. I feel a little buried. Buried by pressure, by stress. So he says, in the beginning he was by Anar, but then the river got eclipsed. How did it get eclipsed? Because the person starts, the, the, the bodily needs and the bodily voids and temptations, which are really trying to fill the voids of life, take over. So what happens? When a mitzvah, when a person does a mitzvah, and where does the mitzvah come from? It flows from the river. Like the Gemara says in Pchayres, everything comes from the Har Pras, even the wellsprings. What's Pshat? The mitzvahs come from the river. The person remembers that in the morning he accepted on himself Malchus Shemayim with his whole heart. And that's why he's doing the mitzvah, because he wants to continue that. There should be a, a continuum from the oil malchus. Even though now he doesn't experience that river, that flow for Maiden. Remember, he's under the earth. He's stressed out. But he relies, his heart relies on the fact that in the morning... That in the morning, he made a commitment in his heart to serve Hashem Ba'amas. Even though now he's not up to it, he's not feeling it, he's not in tune to it, but he can trust the conviction that he has from the morning. Now the mitzvah becomes a living wellspring. Because this little mitzvah, this little bit that he has in Avodah Hashem is so sweet. It's so geschmack. It's so delicious. It's like the sprinkling filtered water that emerges from the wellspring that has such a purity to it and such a richness to it and such a refreshing impact. Why is it so refreshing, he says? You know, if you're hiking and you're hot and you're sweaty and you're dehydrated, and you're exhausted, and you're overwhelmed, and then you find this little spring of water, ah, a little bit of it is more precious than anything else. So he says, when the person realizes, in their distance, in their anxiety, in their stress, that they could connect to something absolutely real and infinite, he says, it's so delicious, it's so geschmack, as we said, there's something special about spring water that you won't have in any other water in the world. Why? Because it's under the earth. It has to fight through the earth. It has to, it gets purified through that stress. The, 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 the moment of truth that you experience from the pressures of life, from the pain of life, from the tears of life, that has something to it that is unparalleled. 
So when he does the mitzvah, it's like drinking the spring water. It's so sweet. It's so delicious for him to do the mitzvah. Because of the distance. Because it's under the earth. Just like when you dig and dig and you find water. This is called living water. Because they had to struggle through the density of the earth. This is not water that you take for granted. This is not an open source of water. It rains into your mouth. It's right there. No. This is water that struggled. This is the water that struggled. It's the water that comes from struggle. And that water has a different freshness to it. And the same is true in a person's life. There's the state of Nahar where you're unified in the consciousness of Einoid Mulvadeh of Achtos Hashem. But then I go into a different place and I feel alone. I feel like a rock. I feel unmoved. I'm in the filth and the dirt and the debris of Afar. So chas v'sholem, you now get hopeless. He says, no, now you'll find the Be'er Mayim Chaim. Be'er Mayim Chaim, oh, it's the sweetest water in the world. Because that's the water that comes through the struggle with the Afar. It flows through the rocks and the crevices. It pushes its way through. So it has a bitter. It's so purified. It's so, it's, it's, it's so malubin. In English you say, an oizgar betamensh. You know, an oizgar, a person who's worked out. You meet a person, sometimes you meet a person, they're worked out. They had to work through stuff. This water is oizgar betavaser. It's not the water of kind of everything. This water worked, worked its way through life. It worked its way. It struggled. It was confronted by a lot of debris and a lot of rock and a lot of earth and a lot of soil. And it worked its way through. And that gives it a, a, a richness, a clarity. And the Alter Rebbe says, the Baltan says the same is true in our life. Yes, the Be'er comes from the Nahar. Everything comes from the Nahar. Why? Because the Kayach of the Mitzvah comes from the Nahar. The person has to have a time in life when there's clarity. Because without that, I don't have an anchor. You have to have the anchor to know who you are. But I'm not always going to be that person. So that's what he says. When I do the mitzvah, there is a conviction that you had, a clarity that you once had. Now, you may not be consciously there, but you know what your real values are. Remember, values I may not always feel. I may not always feel what I really care about. But they are my values, and you know it. And that's the key. That's the nahar in the morning. Nahar Now I'm under the earth. I'm under the earth. That's what I feel like. That's where the Be'emayim Chaim. So he says, a person has an opportunity in the middle of the day to do a mitzvah. For example, you can do a favor to somebody. In the middle of the day, in the stress, in the anxiety, you could send a nice message to somebody. You could send a nice WhatsApp to somebody. You can give them a call. You could send them an email. It's a mitzvah. What do I, what is that? That's an opportunity to find the water that flows under the earth. From the richuk, from the distance, from the density of the earth, that water has a clarity to it, has a purity to it. The dveikas with the ribbonishalaylam at that moment, in that mitzvah during the day, without the whole spiritual melting away in infinite consciousness, I'm not there. But that mitzvah, that nekuda, is the be'er mayim chayim. Because it's worked through the offer, because it comes from the richuk. And it has a sweetness to it that is unparalleled. Same is true with the mitzvah. It flows from that river. But in a way it's greater than the river. The river is That's where there's a flow of water. I'm a chaya. Beautiful flow of water. The Be'er Mayim Chayim, though, comes from the offer, from under the offer. And that's 
Reb Chaim Vital was the great student of the Arizal. The Arizal passed away in Svas in the year Shinlamid Beis, according to most, 1572. You know, the Arizal is considered the greatest Kabbalist and mystic in Jewish history, and his Talmud Muvik, his prime student was Reb Chaim Vital from Damascus, from Syria. I spoke in the women's class about Damasek. Chaim Vital was from Syria. He came to Tzvas. He learned by the Arizal. Two years, the Arizal was done, and he passed away from a pandemic. Arizal died from a pandemic. Hey, of Shinlamid Beis. So Chaim Vital writes about his Rebbe. I think it's in the Sefer Priyat Chaim, Shara Kavanis. He says that the Arizal had a tremendous simcha when he did a mitzvah. And Arizal says that his divine inspiration came from Simcha Shal Mitzvah. From Simcha. The Al-Tareb is Medayik. It doesn't say that the Simcha was from his own Avoidah. We said before, Mitzvah's Einstrich is Kavana. The Mitzvah doesn't need Tikkun. The Mitzvah itself is Tikkun. The Mitzvah itself is divine. The Arizal Simcha wasn't coming from his own spiritual experience, which is his tefillah, his Torah, even from his kavana of the mitzvah. The simcha came from the mitzvah itself. Fakert. The real simcha shal mitzvah comes from the simcha of the opportunity that you get to do a mitzvah. And the more distant the person feels, in a way, the greater the simcha is. Because... It's like the simcha of Be'er Mayim Chaim. If I had water all day and I find a wellspring, it's not such a simcha. But if I'm dehydrated and I'm, I'm parched and I'm thirsty, and then you give me the Be'er Mayim Chaim. Ooh, it's a simcha. So that was the Arizal simcha. Shazui midas anova be'emes. This is what real humility is. It says by Moshe that he was the humblest person. When Chazal said you should be humble before every person, the only way a person can really be humble is when a person looks at somebody else and feels that there's something about the other person that makes him unique, much closer to Hashem. To be able to see a goodness and a beauty and a virtue, a virtue and holiness in another person that I feel humble in the presence of the other person. And therefore I feel distant. And that's what the Simcha Shal Mitzvah is coming from. Shleimah Melech tells us a satiated soul will be, uh, Will, will, will vomit, will be disgusted even by sweetness. A hungry soul, even the bitter food is sweet. Meaning if somebody ate a lot, yeah, you could give me the most delicious piece of cake. It's disgusting. I'm too full. Although some of us find room for that too. But at some point, it's going to be an achilagasa. Even the sweetest thing is not good. If you're hungry, you give me even food that's bitter and becomes sweet because I'm starving. All food is delicious when I'm starving. When somebody feels spiritually satiated, so then even the sweetest of the sweet, they don't appreciate. But when somebody is thirsty, when somebody is hungry, then even the bitter becomes sweet. That's the bear mayim chayim. The little water that comes from the earth, the little trickle is so sweet. How do you get to it? You have to dig through the earth of your own body. 
Mipsari echza. You have to, you have to take a shovel and dig through the offer of your guf. A little water comes out. Mesukim. They are so sweet. They are so delicious. Because his body is so hungry for elikus. And therefore, that water that comes from the earth may be much less in quantity. But in quality and richness and appreciation, it's so much deeper. This is the wellspring that the Sarim, the spiritual ministers, have dug, beginning with Yitzchak, Avram, Avinu, and Yitzchak, Avinu, and every Jew who's called Mamleches Kayan and Kadesh, that throughout the whole day, even when you're confronted with Afar, if you dig, you will find the deepest water that will only flow through the pain and through the anxiety, and that that water, the Be'er Mayim Chaim, has in it a richness that's something that's something unique. And that's the opportunity, that's all the mitzvahs of Torah that are given to us throughout the day, that a person can always connect to a mitzvah, even if he or she can't go into the full mode of Achtos Hashem, of Torah and Tefillah, that you must have in the morning and in the evening and as often as you can. But there's other moments of life, then we discover the Be'er Mayim Chaim, which comes from the Nahar, but it goes through the Afra, and through the Afar, it emerges as the most beautiful and sparkling, and filtered, and cleanest water as it fought through, as it has to fight through the offer. Let's take a few questions. We'll start with the chat. What's the difference between wellspring, water of a wellspring, and regular water in terms of halacha? Okay, it's a good question. So the certain... Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Bensi. All the way from uh, Europe, right? Where are you, Manchester? Huh? Belgium, Antwerpen, Antwerp. Yeah. Okay, joining us from Antwerp. Thank you, Ben Sien. And the answer is that there's certain impurities in Torah that the Torah says it's not enough just to go to a regular mikveh. Let's say you have rainwater in a pit. You can go to the mikveh there. It's a wonderful mikveh, kosher mikveh. But this, you need mayim chaim. You need a wellspring. For example, a zava and a zava, or for paraduma. For paraduma, they had to mix the water with ashes. They needed mayim chaim. It wasn't enough just to take regular rainwater. You had to take water from a wellspring. You have a mitzvah. You have different different tumas that the Torah says you need a higher a higher level of purity. That's when you need that's when you need uh, mayim chaim. Next question. Beautiful question. You explain to us that as you connect to oneness during davening, you can experience the divine harmony in Torah learning. There seems to be an assumption that one connects to oneness during davening, and then one can experience that in Torah learning. My question is, how does the connection to oneness during davening happen? I have a hard time staying focused on what I'm reading while I'm davening. Forget connecting. I can't even focus on the words. How am I supposed to connect? That's a wonderful, wonderful question. And uh, <laughs> I think it needs a few shiurim. But I'll, I'll just say something something brief that I find helps me. So maybe it can also help you, but probably every person is different, so you really have to figure it out. But it's really a state of mind that we must go into when we approach davening. <laughs> the Rebbe once said, the Lubavitcher Rebbe once said, I heard this when I was a yeshiva bacher from Rabbi Yoel Khan Shlita, and it's still etched in me. It says in Chesidus, in Kabbalah, that davening has stages. Right? We know there's four worlds, Asiya, Yitzir, Bria, Atzilas. We learned a mimer about this. We started on Iladoidi. We, st- we never finished that mimer before Rosh Hashanah. I got, uh, I got a little sick. So you start off Haidu. You begin Haidu, right? The first section of davening is the world of Asiya. 
Then you go up into the world of Yitzira. From Baruch Shammar, you go into Yitzira. And then Kriya Shema, you go into Bria. Blessings before Shema and Shema. And then Shemineser, you go into Atzillus. And then you go down. So that's climbing the ladder, the ladder of davening. Like Yaakov Avinu's ladder, it starts on the earth. But then the Rebbe said, there's something even deeper than all of that. And that is tearing yourself away from your anxiety, from your present situation. And he said that by chassidim, that's expressed in Anton de Gartel. Anton de Gartel. This brachas, this matoivu, this hoidu, this baruch shamah, When he puts on the Gartel, the Gemara says in Shabbos, he puts on the Gartel. The Gemara says he would put on a Gartel to prepare for Hashem. What's that? It's not a specific madrege that you're achieving a specific level. It's a general, general act of tearing yourself away from your mess or from my mess and tuning into a deeper place. And I think that's the prerequisite. It's a mindset that right now you put away your phone, you put away everything, you put away yourself too. <laughs> What do I mean you put away yourself? You put away, you, you want to tune in to Achdus Hashem. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but maybe. What about the mitzvah of Bikr Chaylam? Visiting the ill. What of those, so that just, of course, that's one of the mitzvahs. That's, you can do any time during the day. You go, you go visit the sick or you help the sick. That's, that's, that's a bear mayim chayim. What, of, what about those of us who are scared of hospitals? Well, if you're scared of a hospital, maybe you could send food with somebody or send a letter or call up on the phone, do FaceTime so you could encourage the sick. Or maybe try to ask yourself what's making you scared of the hospitals. And maybe there's different methods to consult a professional. Maybe there's different methods to get rid of or transcend that fear. Is this concept of the river, can you connect to it even not during davening? Yeah, of course, but tefillah is the time that God gave us to go into this place. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. The Gemara says, But that's what Kriyash and tefillah were made for. They were made for this. And then Torah is continuing it in the world of Torah. And then throughout the day, when I'm away from that world, if I'm away from that world, there's the Be'er Mayim Chayim. And that's what the Avais, this explains why the Avais were preoccupied with digging wells. They weren't just digging physical wells. They were empowering all of their descendants for all of history to always be able to take a shovel and search for the water. That even when you feel that you're buried under the earth, or you look down at yourself and all you see is earth, nothing else, Take a shovel and start to excavate, and you will find the Be'er Mayim Chayim. Oh, oh, you mean during the coronavirus? Oh, how do you do Bikr Chaylam during the coronavirus? The, the hospitals the hospitals are now very, uh, there's a lot of tight regulations. Even with a child, they usually don't allow more than one parent. Yeah, listen, you have to follow the guidelines of the health officials. You do the best you can. If 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 you're vulnerable, if there's a if you're vulnerable, Khaswashalam your immunity or a certain age, you have to be very careful now, of course. Okay? Everybody should be healthy and stay healthy. This class is brought to you by the Yeshiva.net. 
please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.